0: Okay, um, so Paul's on brew. I've been urged to start with that of them, I think last year I did a panel with Paul and uh, Dash on, I think the same thing happened, where Dash and I just talked about him showed up, it's kind of like this, I don't know, Grant Morrison probably describes it, some kind of like magical awakening where you uh, imagine someone from here and goes here, so I don't know.
1: I think it's more of a grand opening than he wants. <laughs> brand opening, okay.
0: To the we'll part. Do we want to play, play the final countdown? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> good, <laughs> um, So, I'll introduce the fellows I'm sitting with right now.
1: That's Paul Please turn off your cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it on Cumberland or Yorkton?
0: Huh? Comber- Comberman. 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 Same place he was at last night.
1: <laughs> Same place in okay. you were here last
0: night. Okay. See you in one more. No, it's a surprise. All right. So there's confirmation of uh of our uh, our rounder out of the uh, the rest. So right here I got Brandon Graham. Uh, his work is King City, which finished a while ago. Finally and Baltimore Warheads, which will come out eventually. And at the end, 100 pages.
2: One got 100 pages of it done. How many have you done last month? Uh, 10. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and at the end there, we got Sam Heedy. Uh, his... His latest book is The Fantastic Death Day. Uh, if you haven't gotten it yet, check it out. He's there by the, by the fountain? Is that what we can describe yeah, as? By the bathroom. By the bathroom. So when you're in there, you have to the bathroom. wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Clean money, please. And as well as campos finales. Uh, what were the two battle books you did? I can't remember the name of the battle books. Those little ones.
1: The uh, a
0: Goulash, Goulash yeah. 1 and 2, and then the long skating line. Long dark train. Mm-hmm. There we go. I just did not make the right amount of notes to remember things. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, so the, kinda, the, the idea of this panel came about uh, kind of emailing back and forth with Paul, um, and Brandon's my neighbor, so we talked a lot about kind of inspirations in comics, how you do comics, tricks in comics, what are comics. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we kind of rounded out... With Sam, because Sam and Paul have a really tight relationship. Um, and all of the, there's something common in between all your works. I can't quite put my finger on it, um, but there's something there that you guys all share. It's very modern comics influenced by past work, um, brand with Japanese and European work. There's a lot of Kirby in, in Death Day, uh, lots of other stuff, some European stuff, and Paul. Um, is a big fan of lots of older comics, going from Milton Kniff, to Mobius, to Hugo Pratt, Monera, and Guido Cripex. This goes on. So we had all, I was curious about how all these things work together in kind of creating the comics. You're kind of digesting all these things, and something comes out in a printed format. And so I had some ideas, some certain things, and then Sam had this image use, which kind of changed everything of what I had in mind in some ways but kept it the same um, which really dissects it down to parts that's a good way of putting it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, be a long, no, honestly, hour.
1: yeah coming up with this over the last you know working on death day you know 2004 I came out with Tempus finales which I won a zero parent for and I felt that it was really um just trying to figure out how to do a graphic novel or a comic book while working a full-time job painting houses Um, when I when I got done with that I put it upon myself to really take some time to learn how to build a a good foundation to then uh, go and make comics I guess so Death Day became that, and I've been working on that since probably 2005, and I've probably done it at least uh, five times.
2: So, were you thinking about this this creed idea while you were doing Death Day?
1: It actually came about recently, probably within the past couple months. Uh, last year, I came or you know, last year I came out with the first volume of Death Day, the, f- the final version that I'm done going on. Adding on to you know, uh, is that the one with the
2: big red eyeball on the camera? Yeah. um,
1: While working on it, I um, the first four tries at it, I was you know first two tries I think I was doing by myself, and I had a a friend who was living in the same apartment building as me, and you know I was talking to him, and he he went to this school for film and editing and you know, um, stuff like that. And we, we had a pretty good connection The that, just talking about movies and books and story. And so I showed them uh, an early draft of Death Day and just told him like, I'm having a problem with this book. I can't figure out how to end it. And I was dealing more with, uh, I guess, this metaphor that by the time I got to the end of the story, just couldn't end it without explaining the metaphor and then it would just just kind of diffuse the whole book you know you're just sitting there beating beating a person over the head with it and saying you know this is what I'm trying to say so it was was just a failure to me and I was just I I kept trying to do it and my friend Joe then I showed it and then I just kind of slowly sucked him into my world and he became my editor And so then, by working on this last version that's now out in print, that we were putting up uh, in episode format on on the internet. It was just this battle of kind of ego between uh, Joe and me, and he was trying to teach me, and I was trying to learn from him. I I was was very comfortable in pace, in my pace and storytelling abilities in the art and uh the ins and outs of pages and turning the page i was very comfortable with that but it was just more or less trying to figure out what to say and what i had to say and how to then take that and put that in a story and and you know because i always heard like write what you know and i knew some stuff i guess i've been through some stuff you know in my life and it was just then just how do I apply that in story and how do I deal with that on a emotional or a psychological level um, and then um, I'll go to.
2: I really like the idea of friends as, as editors. Like I, um, the editors I work with I pretty much ignore <laughs> and, and I have a circle of friends that are really yeah. almost abusive mm-hmm. in their advice to me. Yeah, definitely so. And I think, I think you need that, you need someone who you, you trust I always tell people, like, don't listen to anyone who you don't think does comics as good as you. Because yeah. it just kind of filters out everything.
1: Well, yeah, it's brutally honest and he was he was doing that and I was taking it because I knew it was the best for me and I knew what he was trying to teach me but it came to the point where even after the first book was done I was, I was still struggling through episode by episode still trying to figure out what to do and he was constantly harping on me about theme is that theme should be the basis of of a story you know not you know this other thing you know or anything else you know and and characters should come from that and then story and plot I I might actually have it backwards I put it on here and I just put it up like this you know I did a quick sketch um, and I sent it to everyone just to kind of get the ball rolling and you know talking with Joe on the trip here like I I think it might be wrong the structure, it might be character that might be the 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 um the uh the trunk the trunk of the tree and story and plot comes from that and it's the past then that the character's cape are the are the branches.
2: That's definitely my, my take on things.
1: Yeah and the ornaments, you know, are just the dressing, it's the cool things, that's the icing on the cake that just you know makes it makes it visually appealing of why someone might pick it up at first but you need the other things there to then really grasp people because how many times have you picked up a comic book based on looks alone because you're not going to sit there and read it or a movie you go to a movie or or anything like that where it's, it's more of a visual medium at first and then you get into it and there's no meat there and you're very dissatisfied and then the art or the look of things just kind of loses its appeal of what it was at first and I was trying to take that approach with my work because it's just—it's just been my experience. So I've been trying to—that—that's been my goal of how do I get that to be with my work? Because I really can't do it for anyone else except for myself.
0: Um. How
3: you want to go? Oh, it's, uh, to add something. Hello, everybody. Sorry, <laughs> a little late. No. You're bringing up an interesting point because it seems to me that depending upon the way you view the world and the reality. The objective world presents things that are outside of our control. I would tend to think story plot is the center of the tree, mm-hmm. but if you have more of a, a subjective point of view, you might think that your actions and decisions—I move this thing that's part of the plot—you know—that's that's the center of the tree. So it might it might be that you could make a second tree.
1: That yeah, definitely so. Well, Joe Joe made a good point when we're writing here. My editor, he was saying you'd almost think of it more as a bush than a mm. tree, because a bush kind of, you know, comes up to the ground, Sexy. and it, and it, and it inter- <laughs> intertwines, and it's, and it's kind of not as neat as a tree, and it's kind of more like life, how it's not this perfectly structured thing, and, you know, I tried to, in the drawing, too, I tried to have some dead ends of, like, things, you know, branches that are dead, or, you know, just, like... Um, mm. Which way it goes, I guess. I'm always
2: struggling with story structure because I really get against the idea of things that don't, like, s- especially story wise, that don't relate to real life. So I don't want to have like three act stories always because and, you know as much as human beings like closure, yeah. It's not really like I want to do something that relates. hmm
1: yeah.
2: And so I, I got it was really anti-plot for a while. Yeah, when I'm I started too. my King City book, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to draw whatever I want chapter to chapter, and then I started reading other books and. And the hooks were really getting me. I was like, this is really making me excited to read the next issue of this. Mm-hmm. So it made me realize how effective that stuff is.
1: Yeah. That's just something, you know, that I learned from Paul or, you know, I read from Paul from a long time ago. Just like character-driven stories are more interesting to read because, you know, it's about the character. You invest yourself into who this person is and that's why you're kind of reading it. You know, I think about any movie you like or a TV series does it better because you have a lot longer... Time to get to know who all these little characters are and oh. how they intertwine.
0: I'm curious uh, for you, Paul, because um, you, you have a fairly wide breadth of work at this point. Have, have you approached your different stories in different ways um, as far as putting it together? The way that Sam is suggesting here, does I, it variate?
3: I like for, for personal work, like something like Batman, Spider-Man, I think those are themes. Those are merely themes. Like, someone will say, okay, you're gonna cover the Beatles now. This is, I wanna hold your hand. All you can do is cover it. You, you can find a new way to do it, but those are the chords, that's the melody. Do it in that way, and like, add something if you have any you know, talent, add something. But like, you're, you're never gonna be able to kill Batman. You can't go in and say, oh, I have a story where Spider-Man's gonna, you know, die. They won't let you do that. So, I tend to think those aren't really stories. In, in terms of the, the plant metaphor, those are like thorn bushes, you know, yeah. where like you're, you're stuck in it, and like all you can do is just roll. They're like they're tumbleweeds, really. They're mm-hmm. tumbleweeds, let's face it.
0: <laughs> and
3: um, those things you do because they're fun, for one thing, but uh, the most you can do is do the theme, which is, you know, boys bit by a spider, and you know, whatever it might be.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: For something like Battling Boy, you know, I, I had the opportunity to, like, you know, do a book for, for a second. It's like, well, what do I really want to write about? You know, so then I'm thinking theme, like what what is it I'm really into? Like, what are, what am I trying to actually, you know, like in the most sincere sense, no postmodernism at all? Like, what do I want to express to the world through my art? And it's like, well, I would like to do some themes from childhood that relate to like my 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 personal experiences, and then also how I see the world. You know, which is really the most that isn't that what you want from art at the end of the day? So. That was that was what I went into thinking. So
1: yeah, and, and a lot of it becomes like people ask me or ask any of us, I guess. And me. we uh, Paul invited me this last uh, summer down to this uh, artist uh, compound, I guess. Uh, yeah, compound, ACA yeah. you know? <laughs> Kind of like Dr. Knows um, uh, Ranch or yeah, something. Pretty know. Was, yeah, pretty much was. And there's. A group of 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 kids who came in and uh learned from paul and craig thompson and uh in svetlana. and svetlana and the drama lady, right yeah okay so uh i came down and taught for a couple of days with paul and i did a oh, couple great. a couple of panels of like just interviewing these kids and what they want to do and, and and it's the same way everyone starts out the same and that's the way i started and that's kind of What I've gotten to this point is just trying to truly understand. And when you start out, you, I think you, on a superficial level, you love what you read. You love the big things. You know, you like superhero comics, but you want you like indie comics, and you like this, and you like that, and you're trying to figure out how to blend it all together to find out who you are. And it's kind of the superficial way. Like I say, after learning this and looking at it like this. I was doing it all wrong when I first started. I was making the ornaments first. And then I was trying to, to grow the, the thistles or the, um, the needles. And I was trying to grow branches then. I was doing it all backwards. And it, it kind of seems kind of silly when you look at a tree if you're trying to do that. That You know, I was making these beautiful little ornaments and treating them so preciously and then trying to cre- create a story for them and trying to create this world and making other ornaments and trying to yeah. fit them together. And
3: but that's the perspective of a man. I think when you first get into comics, you're a kid. You yeah. like, what you see is the shiny baubles. You mm-hmm. see like Mobius, like for me it was heavy metal, or Jack Kirby, whatever. It, well, Jack Actually Jack Kirby came later, but like you see the, the superficial stuff that yeah. attracts you and then like you don't see what's underground, which <laughs> is the theme. Yeah. So you have to be able to dig. And a kid's not going to dig. A kid's going to go for the, the Yeah. Well,
1: you don't so understand so. the meat or the you know what keeps you coming back to certain things, you know, um, and that usually, you know, lies on theme because there's there's certain things. The theme is is you know what I wrote on there on the bottom is what do you have to say? Who are you? Mm-hmm. And that was more of the things after listening to some of these kids talk or you know people come up to us and say, hey, can you look at my portfolio or something like that. Mm-hmm it's like they want to do all this cool stuff but it's like who are you and what do you have to say because that's the most important thing if you're going to be a creator if you want to do this which maybe most of you or some of you or the people who are listening want to do and that's why they're listening is to try and get information from us of how we've done it is who are you you know just take a step back figure out what have you been through. you know because if you write about, you don't have to write blatantly about that, it's like you have your theme of of the themes of your life that you can take from and then not, you know, know, Joe is always telling me too, is like don't write a character as yourself, you know, try and take a step back, you can use some stuff and put them through, but like let them be their own thing and go their own right or a route. Yeah. Wanna, and let them do that, you know?
2: I want to hear from you, Brendan. Have I been quiet? Oh, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm quiet. learning.
2: I <laughs> <learning. laughs> <laughs> <You're learning aloud. laughs> so, I know
0: this is something we've talked about personally, is putting yourself within the comic board. Well, a lot of it for me is almost
2: taking you know, especially with King City, I take a lot of kind of science fiction cliches or, or comical cliches, and I'm like, how would I handle it if I was in this situation? And it's great to read something, you know. You sit down and you read, like, the Iliad or you read about, like, you know, the Beats or something, and you're just like, how, how would I deal with this? And I think, I like the idea of creating something new just by throwing different things together. And sometimes it can just be throwing yourself into other situations.
1: Yeah. I, I think, like, each story, you know, depending on how, how you do it, has a different vehicle of how you say it, you know, depending on your theme. If you're writing a story about yourself, a slice-of-life type story, of course, you can put yourself into the story. still might want to make a little bit more character out of it, depending but on... I don't how really think walk. a story
2: can be... Sorry to cut you off, but oh, I, think that, uh, I think a story can be good. I, it can be kind of personal in you without mm-hmm. having you in there. Yeah. Like, I was thinking, um, you know, like I read a lot of comic books, obviously, and like um, like Conan... I get pissed, whenever I read a Conan talk and Conan reacts, I get pissed off. Yeah. Like, they had somebody point a, a, a sword at his crotch in a recent issue, and he looked shocked, and I was like, Conan doesn't look shocked. <laughs> That's kind of how you play the character. Yeah. And then you kind of have the world around him kind of show how you are. Mm-hmm. But he's like this rock that just kind of travels through the story. Yeah,
3: yeah. He's what you Conan's, want a, Conan's a theme, though. He's, yeah. at this point, he's not... Like, your Conan would, write. to me, be more interesting. I love Conan, let's face it, but, <laughs> you know... You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. because he's always going to do the thing that you want from Conan, yeah. which is I'm um, the badass barbarian, which is the same as Batman. Batman's only going to do what Batman does. But,
2: but is that the licensors or the because because you could definitely well, do like a Batman? That's not our product. that's not our control. That's that's right. out of our control. Like so. when I think of Conan, I like I'm like so they did good ones in the 70s and 80s, and then uh, and then they did some ones I don't read. Or complain yeah. about on panels. The reason <laughs> I, I, I got to say the recent stuff's pretty good. I, yeah.
3: I mean Corbin on Conan. Is oh yeah, no,
2: the right. Corbin, Corbin stuff's good. I can't. I'm not going to complain about him. But yeah, I think you'd be kicked off the panel for the Corbin. I get yeah, yeah. myself out of my life. Yeah. But <laughs>
1: a lot of the stuff is like within characters, especially like if you look at more of the archetypal characters and stuff that mm-hmm. we really like that are really strong are. I, I think that's more the fantasy element of what we want to be, you know, and they're doing what we want to do, but we we don't do that, you know? And that's kind of the, you know, the fantasy element of, or the daydream of quality of why we read comic books or watch movies, or, because they're going to do something that we're probably not going to do, or they're in a situation that we really, we might get into, it might not be as elaborate or whatever, or, you know.
2: Yeah, that that, uh, that kind of gets me going on something that I think about a lot is that kind of mix of escapism and also um, putting, you know, doing doing art that relates to your life. It's like, uh, like me and Robin were talking about fight scenes, and I have a problem with fight scenes always because I the fights I've been in my life did not go well, and I'm not proud of them. And so when I draw, like I was working on a comic book, and I got like. I got, like, thrown over a table in a fried chicken place in Brooklyn, and it was, like, this horrible, embarrassing situation, and I'm going a fight scene after that, and I'm just like, oh, I got my ass handed to me, I, I feel <laughs> weird, like, <laughs> so Fried it's, chicken place? Yeah, like, two in the morning. What are you doing? Uh, I was getting my ass handed to me. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, and it's just just thinking about that and looking down at Paul and thinking about his Batman and stuff like that. It's I think why people have this better connection, or at least why I do when I look at you know independent creators type stuff doing that type of genres. You know, Paul did a really good job with Batman. If you think about his stuff, his Batman usually gets the craft kicked out of him, and he's in the bathroom throwing out his teeth And you know, yeah, it, it makes it a little bit more real instead of just like oh, that was nothing. You know. But that's- what about <laughs> the, the broken nose <laughs> story? Do um, you think like of that as genre? Batman, so.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've, I thought, I mean, it, it, if, if anybody here like gets a chance to do something like Batman or any of these characters, do it. Don't look back. Don't regret anything. Do it. Don't keep doing it. That's the one piece of advice that Frank Miller gave me that no matter what else happen, happens in life, like that's what I'm going to remember. He said, don't don't remain the Batman guy. You could right now don't don't be him so it's like you know put your mark on it you know make that part of your dna but don't stay there because it is a theme it's the it's the tumbleweed and you're not going to be able to change it and you don't own it so you know after seeing you know frankly if i can speak you know, plainly here, like you know, to the whole world. Yeah, no one's <laughs> <But> listening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after, I mean, let's face it. My my bike was a part of that the advertising campaign, and it's like that was a lot of money. I, I'm not making a lot of money right now. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm choosing to go solo rather than have the steady, you know, plantation job of continuing doing Batman. So do it, get in, and get out. You know, it's like Navy <laughs> SEAL style, right?
0: No one's listening. And anymore. then just bury the body. Yeah. Don't let anybody see it. <laughs> dump it in the ocean. Yeah, just dump, dump it. it. Just dump it. But um, well, you see my
3: point, right? I mean, that's, that's, my, that's my one piece of uh, sage advice.
0: <laughs> I'm curious, uh, specifically, what do you, any of you jumping with this one, specifically see as far as how do you want your comics to represent you. Do, you? do you want that to be, someone goes, okay, this is Brian Graham, this is Sandy, this is Paul Pope? What out of that do you want as an artist to visualize? That's difficult. I,
3: I, immediately, I would say I've I've always felt like I identify with the craftsman in history. You know, I think about guys like McIntosh or uh, you know Paul Manship, who did the big Prometheus statue at um, Rockefeller Center. Like I want to I want to feel proud of, about my my labor. You know, I I, I don't think that we're white collar or blue collar. We're like like fringe people. That's how I feel, and I just want to feel like, you know, look at what I did, isn't this nice? And then people appreciate it, it's an object of art, and it's like, wow, this is nice. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's good. It's more of a quality, you know, it's like, I, I understand, like, like what I said before, I'm going to be the only person that I can change, you know, I I, I guess getting in the rants or something like that is like, Quentin Tarantino, I kind of have a, a love-hate relationship with him, yeah. and... I, you know, I was complaining, you know, like last year I was complaining about him, I just kind of had to let it go because it's like, I want him to do something you know, th- of his own
3: comics? Yeah Something like and, it. and I, man, I understand what,
1: what he's doing of, of his movies and stuff and how he builds them and he takes from what he loves and I think a lot of comic comic book people can relate to what he's doing, it's more pop culture and, and he does a really good job at it mm-hmm. but I kind of secretly you know Deep down, I want him. I want to see a movie that's just truly original from him, and I, I think he probably will eventually get to that stage, hopefully. But I, had, you know, it's like you kind of got to let that go because it's like if he's doing what he's doing and he's, he's successful at it, and that he it's, it's him, and, and only I can you know change what I want to do. So I kind of turned that ar- around on me instead of being negative towards other people or wanting things for other people. I then try and change or uh, point that back at me, and
3: uh, I don't. It, to me, like it, this is the place where the analogy between comic books and film breaks down because I'm not certain about the ownership issue. To me, the greatest thing about independent comics is you own it, you know. And like, you know, I, I came from the self-publishing movement in the <laughs> '90s. I mean, I supported myself at 23 publishing comic books, and I wasn't even doing very many of them. But it was enough, you know? I lived pretty modestly and whatever, but, like, w- with film, it's like, the thing I worry about is when you become the Batman guy or you become Tim Burton, you keep, people expect a certain type of film from you. And, like, if you come in and you're Stanley Kubrick, it's almost like he's so far off the Geiger scale yeah. that it, he doesn't even count, mm-hmm. you know, because...
1: Because he's just worrying about Stanley. Yeah, and well, he's
3: and he's like an auteur, you know? He's, yeah.
2: he's on the level of a Tarkovsky or a, you know...
3: Eisenstein. Eisenstein. Yeah. You
1: know. okay. It is fantastic yeah, in yeah.
2: comics that there's no... There doesn't have to be people <coughs> to impress that are, like, your budget people. Yeah. And, and it, it's kind of frustrating sometimes how much people are still kind of scared to, you know, impress movie people in comics, mm-hmm. and, and how much experimentation isn't going on.
1: When you're doing it all by yourself, too, it's like, there's this, um, if, if it sucks it's because of you you know yeah there's no one else you can't sit there and complain like "Oh, I wanted to do this but they won't let me do it yeah it's like if it's bad it's bad and I like that because it keeps me in check you know and it keeps me hungry and I want to learn I want to understand when I do something that I don't like I try not to look you know I guess the biggest piece of advice I got that really stuck with me is I used to complain about ah uh, y- everyone does it too like at a convention you, you want to look at myself oh yeah that's my older book oh you know oh, it's not as good as my new stuff but it's like learning to appreciate your older stuff because it shows growth if if you're still at the same place, places where you should be afraid or uh, complaining because if you're still drawing or drawing worse than you used to you know you got a problem and it's nice as
2: a time capsule to have your older work too
1: yeah and, and it's like. That's as good as I could draw, or or write or anything at that particular time. Now I'm here, so it's like it should be more. Pre- you should it should be more celebr you know celebrated.
3: Yeah, you know, I just I just got that copy of the uh, IDW book about Toth. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: beautiful! Just yeah. Go buy it. Mm-hmm. And
3: mm-hmm. they they make a point to talk about that story, the Crush Gardenia, which is you know it's a. A fi- I think he was uh, he, he did it in 1956 but they they quoted Toad saying this story's important because it was a milestone for me you know and it's like it's western publishing it's now public domain but it's like for him as an artist like th- this was this marked the moment when I like actually got past all those other journeyman things I did and I actually learned
2: something mm-hmm. something clicked I do wish that guy was your Batman advice a lot more <laughs> it always breaks my heart that this it's like such beautiful stuff, and then you're like, it's Thunder the Barbarian.
3: Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, but something I'm about the time capsule stuff. I'm always I'm always kind of because you're are you redrawing stuff in THB now? Yeah, yes. Because yeah. I like the old stuff.
3: I'm but I'm I didn't I own it. It's mine. I can <laughs> do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where I am, Kubrick. When I do Batman, I'm the best I can be is another Frank Miller or another Bob Kane. You know what I mean? I mean, this right. is a character that or wasn't maybe any of the guys
0: that oh, Yeah, well, I
3: mean, every every <laughs> single guy who's in line to be the next Batman guy, that's the guy that you can be. Yeah. But THB, that's where you can be Kubrick if we want to look at the... You know, with no budget. Yeah. That's even better.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the thing I remember. I did an interview with Jeff Nero recently and talked about just the folly of the film where things would get right to that point. So the point is talking about the Nicholas Gates from where they actually had the sets built. And then... Some oh yeah, I don't want to make it, and don't That
2: reminds me of the uh, the kind of ongoing. When, when I was living in New York around like uh, 2000 2005, we had this ongoing joke where editors at Vertigo would eventually tell everyone that all of my group of friends. We had this Meat house anthology, and one by one, we all got told we were going to be the next Paul Pope, which <laughs> I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that Kyle um, Baker book, The Why I Hate Saturn, and they they tell the woman she's going to be the next Twain, and she says next Twain isn't here until 2:30.
0: <laughs> um, I'm going to turn to something different um, I kind of I have a bunch of panel pages of your guys' stuff but actually one thing I wanted to do was, because you guys are all influenced by lots of folks so I pulled together some different stuff um, and just wanted to like get y'all to chat on it so this is a uh, very Smith for those that don't know it and I uh, What you guys think of these
3: folks? Lovely, Um, lovely man. He was one of the first. uh, For me, the first time I got uh, actually got a fan letter from a creator was from Barry Smith. Wow! He just sent me a postcard. Said, "I I read Doctor Richardson. It's really good. Keep going. Don't stop." I mean, I was like 21 years old, and um, I've since gotten to know him and all those studio guys. They're all really great. You know, I love this guy. I'm completely biased. What, what <laughs> can I say? And in fact, I recently contacted him, and I'm like, you know, Barry, I've been reading over your Conan's, and um, there's a point where like, like I don't, I don't, I don't have much regard for Roy Thomas's writing. So I always look at the drawings. I don't really read his adaptations of anything. But there was a point with Barry Smith where he like transcended. It's exactly the thing we're talking about. Where it's like it's the milestone work. Like, Barry Smith doesn't, he doesn't, like, why am I going on about this you know, own, ownership thing? I don't know, I'm, I, I sound angry or something. <laughs> I think he worked on Batman for a while. I <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm here to testify, I live
3: to tell the tale, only only I escaped. Isn't it is. scary to do a couple hundred pages and then
2: look at the stack and be like, I don't own this stuff.
3: Yeah, it, well it is, I guess it is that, so that's
2: my cautionary tale. I've done that with like 20 pages and it scares me.
3: <laughs> anyway, love this guy.
2: What do you guys think, Barry? Oh, I like him. I can't beat that. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the only studio guy that I've got to hang out with was Kaluda. And I was always really impressed by how he handles himself. Like I went up at a convention. I was super nervous to meet him, and he was just like, "I haven't looked around at this convention yet." And he walked around with me at the convention. And I was just running to my friends. and I was like, "Oh, do you know Kaluda?" <laughs> 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 I think it's just, it, he had not let it go to his head that he draws better than everyone. Just really nice. But uh, I like, like Barry Windsor Smith. He did a good. Um, see, with him, it's interesting because I, I don't know his personal work as well. Like I know his his X Men. A friend of mine always talks about how um, the Wolverine fighting Lady Deathstrike is like the the quintessential comic that like was responsible for all the styles of the '90s. Which I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but it's an interesting thing to think about. There's like one. Um, I was talking to an artist about the the idea of comics or issues that changed comics. Mm-hmm. It's
1: nice to think about.
2: Very Yeah,
1: I like him. <laughs> He's cool. He's got a great you know it's the same thing as Mobius, I guess. Is like the, the great balance of negative space, you know, with detail, and you know, and this is color. It's just it works, you know, because usually color and black, you gotta really watch what you do. and and then his, you know, I, I just think of him with, you know, his hair on Conan with, like, every individual hair drawn, you know.
3: Well, the, the great thing, I think, that, the like, what they call the studio, this brief time when um, it was uh, Jeff Jones, uh, Bernie Wrightson, uh, Kaluta, and um, Barry, they lived together. They had a studio. It's very romantic. They lived in Hell's Kitchen. And or dressed
0: like rock stars.
3: They, yeah, all, they all look like Bob Dylan, you know, and... But they did this great work that was informed by stuff outside of comics. So it wasn't like you know, like John Byrne saying, I want to be the next, you know, Jack Kirby. It's like I'm looking at you know pre Raphaelites and I'm looking at like Michelangelo and Raphael. And there was something so cool about that. It was like, wow, these guys are actually artists and mm-hmm. especially like growing up in the seventies, early eighties when it was like embarrassing if you had comic books on you in school you'd get beat up, you know. And it's like wow these you can actually do something beyond comic books. That's still comic books. You know what I mean? So oh, no, I... Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, nice. If you can find a studio book, pick it up. But you won't find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the
2: idea of, of being able to look at, like, the history of artists and being like, this is a type of person that I've fallen into. It's not just, like, it didn't just start with comic books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of daunting. <coughs>
0: there's a, a European
2: pick. pick. Oh, yeah, Thank you, Laugh. I'm so obsessed with this book. Why? Oh, well, the version I got the, the thing that really excites tell them me. Tell Oh what book it is. Oh, it's uh, the Woman Trap by Inky Ball, and uh, I I got a version I think uh, Catlin Communications put out in the eighties, and it had a uh, it came with a newspaper. The main character is uh, Jill Biscott, and she's a um, she has a typewriter. that's called a Script Walker, and it sends your it's like a time machine typewriter that sends things that you type back into the past. Hmm. So all these crazy ideas that don't necessarily make sense, and uh, the the book comes with a separate newspaper that's the article that she's written during the story. So there's all these elements. She's got a boyfriend who's an alien who can't be exposed to light. And um, there's just all these things that don't necessarily connect. And it's 50 pages with all these ideas and it just makes you think so much. It doesn't it sew doesn't up anything. It, doesn't, it keeps you thinking. And I don't know if it's... I almost wonder now if it was him not quite tying things together, but it, it's really effective. And I like his color schemes a lot, too. Yeah, the colors for me are the, like, I, this is a very sexy
3: book. I think Bilal's work is, uh, it's strange, everybody looks like Bruno Gantz in his books. Have you noticed that? But um, I thought this book was really sexy. I remember reading this for the first time when I was probably about 14 or 15 and really just like digging the blue hair and the pale skin and all that stuff. And,
2: and he's one of those guys, too, where he, everyone looks like like Bilal, too. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a film
3: man. of this? There, there is, isn't there? Yeah. was not this film? It's yeah. Uh, it's worth ignoring. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> a film
0: that's done super pretty. It's not pretty. It kind of
2: filmed up the plot, which is weird because he directed it himself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's got lots of CG stuff and it. It has a character in it who's just a normal guy they could use an actor for, and they CG him, so there's mm-hmm. no reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and they, they added a bunch of sex to it that, like... She's the only one that can have the baby of a god. I, I left out the god part when I was explaining the weird everywhere plot. <laughs> but it's just—it's worth. The, I think it's been reprinted a bunch. So you're complaining about the sex scenes? <laughs> oh, I was just—I just—I'm not—I'm not someone to complain There's about sex scenes. Yeah, they've kind of, yeah, they kind of <laughs> dumbed it down in a way where this character who's really interesting and complex in the comic books, she's just basically like a. Like a baby hammock for the gods. <laughs> <laughs> you ever
0: get into Bellows work, Sam? No, I'm
1: not. I'm, I, it's familiar, but I haven't I haven't looked at it already. We'll yeah. you a pass. Yeah.
0: This is something a little <laughs> different. Um, <laughs> David Lynch. I didn't want to just stick with Congress. Why, I why that like photo? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not. laughs>
3: Anybody follow him on Twitter? by the way yes. he's, he's, really he's, the he's got the rate. worst twitter feed in the world <laughs> oh, it's just weather from Los Angeles <laughs> <laughs> I actually blocked him because I'm like I just, it's just so offensive that he doesn't put up anything of wisdom you No, know? like, please please <laughs> so once in a while just
0: give us a nibble, <coughs> a nibble of wisdom he does <laughs> yeah, a transcendental uh, meditation I'm so terrified right, that, that book is idea great of,
2: of throwing out ideas that you'd want to put in your work like yeah you
0: can not do that. that that's a bad idea <laughs> yeah <So. laughs>
2: Don't tweet about what you're eating, you know
3: that's, a, yeah. that's yeah. the first time against <laughs> that. Yeah. You know,
1: quinoa recipes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm,
2: a, I'm a huge fan of his of Twin Peaks mostly, yeah. and and Dune. Those are the two ones yeah. that have you know, that have really clicked with me.
1: Yeah, Dune was highly influential. of Death Day, you know, at least the, the his uh, take on the still suits. Mm. created a cantrine suit that's half yeah. cantrine half latrine yeah um, <laughs> and they're just you know their their waist is feeling their suits on mine but you know it's kind of
2: uh, you did make the connection reading it what I didn't even make the Dune connection reading yourself well no I, but it, it's
1: it's I thought there. it was subtle you know, it it's, was it's subtle right? it, it was good terms, I, yeah. made, I made sure that I wasn't you know so blatant because it's more of like everything that I do too and, and Paul kind of touched on this earlier I think is uh, what we're all kind of tapping into and especially on his battling boy is like we're revisiting things from our childhood because I think most of us um, it's what we like today you know everything that we kind of um, experience as a child either positive or negative affects us as a as an adult and most most of the things that I've seen, like you know, this was this was, you know it was a time, I guess, thirty six, so uh, thirty five, maybe thirty six, um, where you either had you had one cable channel, HBO or Showtime, or if you had them all, you're rich probably. Um, but I, we had HBO, so it's like you click the thing on the back of the box and see what's on HBO, and Doom was always playing, and I'm like. Dune and I think Star Trek uh, the Khan is that the one where is they're in the one. desert Okay. now I'd always two. get the same thing because they're playing back to back sometimes and I'd be like man this dumb sand movies still but <laughs> <laughs> I was always drawn to uh, the suits well, what age were you when you saw that I don't know I'd be like in between like 1984 and 1986. I'm or really there. interested. Like, it came out in
2: '84.
3: I remember yeah, but it, it
1: But it came on HBO probably in '85. Though, oh, so right. Okay. It's yeah. funny yeah. how your brain kind of sticks to That's certain okay. things. It's
2: like this is the coolest thing ever because I saw it when I was 15. It wasn't so much about the <laughs> coolest thing
1: ever because it just was like it was interesting to me and I didn't realize you know it was the design of, and and you know there there were things going on. It was like watching Alien for the first time and not really realizing it was all about sex. You know, and you're just like, what's going on? This is. This <laughs> you know why is this making me feel You're okay? blowing my mind, right? yeah. <laughs> and, you know
2: oh the um, Geiger penis stuff right yeah
1: behind the vagina you know it's just penises and vaginas. you know and if you look at it like that if you watch the movie you know you'll be like yeah it is I've never really looked at it the same thing as guy Davis. you know it's like all oh, his monsters are so creepy because they're just penises and vaginas. and look at it next time oh you'll yeah you'll understand
0: Uh, Okay, well
2: (laughs) Is that a Sienkiewicz? Yeah, that's kind of
0: multi-purpose There's a couple multi-purpose interviews So it's Dune, but also Sienkiewicz I liked
2: his art book where he complains about um, Because Sienkiewicz did the the Dune comic book adaption And he's complaining about how he didn't get to do the Baron Harkonnen As fat as he wanted to Because he had the film restrictions
1: Mm. Mm.
2: Any thoughts on Sienkiewicz? Um, I wish he just I wish he did more comics and wasn't an anchor now but yeah.
3: I, I heard he's kinda getting back in the game. He's been sort of out of comics for a while, but um he's been making appearances in New York a lot, so I think he's like trying to reconnect with people and um, I have immense respect for him.
2: Yeah. I worry that he's one of those guys that like if you were a kid in the eighties then he's like a god to you but I, I worry that a lot of people now just have no idea who he is. They're going into comic stores.
3: Well we were talking about this actually last night, some guys out there and myself and um the artists who are super versatile, in a way, they sort of have a disadvantage because it's hard to say what their style is. Whereas, like me, I feel like I have a pretty, like pretty much one way to draw. But if you're a guy like Sinkevitch, you can basically do anything. And then it's like, well, okay, like, oh, that's the guy that does the, you know, the splattery thing, or that's mm-hmm. the guy that does the really fine line thing. It's like, no, that's the guy that does everything actually. So. Yeah, he
2: did so much of everything. Where it's like, if you put out like a painted comic now, it's just, it's like almost you. you have
0: to be influenced by it. Yeah, from all those
2: Ashley Woods and whatnot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Something a little different. Ernest Hemingway. Literature. Baby uh,
3: shoes for sale, never <laughs> used.
0: Is that, is that his shortest story, story, story ever written?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is
1: precise, is it, you know? There's uh, a Hemingway
2: quote that I abuse constantly where he said, um, first start with something true. And uh, I, I like to think of that a re- reference to stealing photo reference, where you draw, take a background, and then you draw like a flying car or a dragon, and you know, like just like Hemingway would do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when I first, you know, started to learn how to write, it was more like looking at how you know, he's a master at boiling a sentence down to make it. Perfect, you know, and and there's nothing more that needs to be said. Anything beyond that is just flowery or fluff, and he just gets right to the point. So it's very hard for me to read his stuff at times because it's just so dense. And you know, you read a little bit, and and it's a lot. So,
3: and I think you have to sort of like filter it through the perspective of a mid 20th, like early the mid 20th century mentality right it's a different it's in some ways sadly a different world now and um, the other quote I love is
2: Cezanne um, looks better when you're hungry <laughs> I like that I um, I always think about when I was reading first time I read his Immovable feast book mm-hmm. which is like him in his 20s and great book in Paris talking about being a writer being like a young writer I was living in New York and um, Doing my comics and everything, and I specifically—I was reading it. I was working on my comics, and reading, I used to draw at the. Um, there's a Dunkin' Donuts across the street from DC Comics. is isn't there anymore, and I used to love the idea of working on my my. Um, I'd work on porn comics and whatever stuff there, and I'm reading the Google piece and I'm talking about like first find a good cafe with like good music and good wine and everything, and I'm like. I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts in a plane like like, Smash Mouth on the radio.
0: (laughs) 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 Having wasted time has passed. you just want (laughs) to fly? This is something Brandon did for uh, Neuromancer, a little tribute thing, so this is what I got for him. It's my fan art. art. It's fan art. Uh, William Gibson. He's, he's, He's awesome. He's one of
2: those guys that, like, I... I went back and read his stuff. Like I was into it as a teenager, and then went back and read his stuff later. And the stuff that he came up with pretty much influenced like everything past him to the point. Like I, I would go and read Dirty Pair comics, and they're they're um, using technology from Neuromancer. They had like the Ono Sendai computers in it. And uh, and I, I love that it's a, that he did it in his early books the Sprawl trilogy. He did a future that doesn't that didn't really come to let pass. It's like this idea of this eighties future, and I really like the idea of. Of science fiction that um, like the, the 80s science fiction or the 70s science fiction and now it's like people, I feel like we're we're at a, one of those places in history where people feel like we're living in the future so the science fiction feels closer and that's not really anything that I'm I mean I, I do it sometimes but it's not something I'm especially fond of, I want I want deep space stuff and you know uh, mirror, mirror eyes and things like that
3: I have to admit, I don't like cyberpunk. I, I couldn't get through Neuromancer. I didn't understand it. Back into the mainframe, I, what, what does this mean? I'm, I'm, I'm much more into, like, you know, Bret Hart and Frank Herbert, you know, Edgar Rice Burroughs. I like early, like, pulp adventure, like, frontier stuff. Like, to me, like, a lot of the cyberpunk is trying... And it, I mean, I do, like, Asimov and Heinlein and these guys, but this era, to me, like, I, I couldn't quite... Understand what it was trying to do. Yeah, it's like I guess okay, they're trying to. This guy's trying to write about how society's going to be changed by technology. But yeah, for me, sci-fi is. I'm more interested in frontier stories and like mm-hmm. what does the individual do like in this extreme situation. So I'd say it was a big influence to me. <laughs> <laughs> I t- should read it when you're 15. That's
1: my I
0: I couldn't get it. Sam, gonna, Sam, the only thing there. It looks like, like you just Actually, <laughs> I, I got to
2: change the color. I'm putting in an art book soon, and I got to dull down the colors because I was at this point where I was just like,
0: "What colors haven't I used?" It's give me awkward silence. No, is that is there a thing? Gerhard background? Yeah.
2: Nice. I, it's I, got to be. I've been really like backing. I really like. I really like Dave. Like, kind of. We talk about Frank or about um, Highland a lot. Like. Dave Sim is a guy who I also like. Hamlet, I don't agree with him, but I really want to like the guy because you know I, when I was a teenager, again, reading his starting notes and reading comics, it's he's so charming, but he's kind of he's not really defendable. You <laughs> <laughs> can't be like, no, no, his ideas about women are totally cool. I'm, I'm totally with
1: him on that.
0: That's recorded memory. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. It's like. You're always going to have to deal with that, and you know we're we're in a position here where you know people are listening to us, and you know if you, you get to know us, you know it's like we're either dicks or you know we're good guys. You know I hope we're somewhere in the middle, I guess, but um, uh, you know we all have yeah, our moments. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like I sp- I spend all day up in a room drawing and making sound effects you know uh, and trying to figure out how to <laughs> spell them you know it's like it, you know it, we're everyone I, gu- I guess it's like we're in a comics or any kind of uh, entertainment type um, medium everyone wants to do it because it looks like fun until you sit down and you have to do it 12 hours a day and consistently and I have immense respect for him he did it for, what, 20, 30 years? You know, yeah. non-stop. And he, he's still doing it, of course, on a different book. But that's crazy. And he answered his fan mail. You know, he, he did everything. He did the business end of things. Um, uh, you know, I, that was the first thing I, I saw is, like, getting into comics very late. I didn't I didn't read them growing up. I like movies. Um, mm-hmm. When I liked to draw, I wanted... I guess I kind of wanted to be an animator when I was a kid because I was always drawing like what my cartoon characters were going to look like and then I saw a Disney special what they, how animators had to draw everything over and over and over again I was like yeah that's not for me you know <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of you know those two combinations of like I wanted to draw and I wanted to tell stories and I thought movies were the vehicle of, of that but it was you know at that time it was like you had to work with real a film and a real you know camera and it wasn't digital and stuff or IMAX you can't edit it you know you had to really it's, so it was just too out of the way and um, comic books just kind of fell in my lap from a friend who was collecting them because you know what like Gen 13 was uh, I don't know forty dollars after a week it came out you know and it was like it's not worth so it. I just went I went yeah. you know yeah, to comic book shop yeah went to, right. comic to comic book shop to um, comic book shop just with him and looking at them and I was just like blown away of wow mm-hmm. these guys are drawing everything like the backgrounds the cars you know sky the kids whatever you know it reminds me of
2: something I think about a lot where it's like um. I always tell people my job isn't really to do comics. So they do it anyway. The job is to stay excited about doing comics. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't care enough to keep doing it. Yeah. Also, Do you, do you make sound effects when you draw at all?
1: Does yeah, I
2: do. Yeah, phonetically figure out what it is you're. Yeah, or just like <laughs> or just making palettes. Yeah, just making yeah. like while you're drawing. Like I always feel like it's, it sounds horrible. The lines go better sometimes if you mm-hmm. like, Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <the line. laughs> Yeah, it's always embarrassing when my friends are over uh, and I realize I'm doing it and they're in the room and I'll look over and be like, Oh, you didn't see that, did I you? Know.
3: Well, I mean, for the self publishing movement, all the people kind of from my crop, I, I mean, without Dave's uh, example and Wendy Peeney and Richard Peeney, I mean none of us would have been here because they presented a model, you know, it was like, Well, I think I can do this, you know, like Yeah. That that was great. I, I do think that you know, like uh, Dave and I've had um, reasonable disagreements, but he's always been a supporter of mine and instrumental early on. HR was in there, right? Yeah, yeah. He actually drew it. Uh, that's kind of cool. HR Wasserman. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's cool. One of my characters like made her way into Cerebus. in one point. Of course, she took her pants off. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think that after Eisner, I think he's probably the best guy to really incorporate sound, like sound as yeah. a graphic element. Mm-hmm. And I've thought a lot about his work. Like, in 100%, I tried really carefully to, like, make sure the sound effects felt integrated in this kind of, like, Will Eisner sense. Yeah. And, like, I love his work for that reason. So, I, I, I divorce personality from art. Like, yeah. I, I tend to think, you know, to me, like, you know, of course, I think ethics trump aesthetics, but for the most part, we're not thinking about Adolf Hitler drawing pictures. Like, oh, aren't these nice? Yeah, but you're killing, you know, millions... This, this kind of thing it's like well okay you might not agree with the guy but it's like you can still appreciate what he's doing and as like a, a like an art carnivore like that's pretty much all you really want is like well this is pretty awesome but like the guy's a jerk but like you know <laughs> I almost I always want to like the guy even if I I, I, I do like him. Dave I have to say I've never never had a argument with
2: him so I, I don't part argue part. with him let's put it no, that no. way so
3: <laughs> 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 we,
1: we
2: don't argue he seems really good at arguing
0: um what you <laughs> Uh, we're near the end of the time. Um, maybe I have time kind for of one question. Someone had a question. Anyone have questions? No? No questions? That's the, that's the first time. Okay. Uh, we'll do one more drawing then. There we go. There you go. Oh, God. How much time have you got? <laughs> you have three minutes. <laughs> um, just, just, for the, just
3: for everybody um, on the podcast, we're looking at the picture
2: of Mobius. Mobius doing well. Mobius one, one of Mobius's drawings. You know. Yeah, <laughs> this the greatest. <laughs> i was reading reviews of this online, and people will talk about like you know, Mobius to Silver Surfer. And for me, it's always this book's kind of a disappointment because they let Stanley write it. Yeah, yeah you know, amen, amen. Anybody <laughs> with me on this one? <laughs> I'll I'll this at, at least yeah. the one who Roy
3: Thomas. <laughs> uh, I like him better than Stan Lee
1: but um, well, just he, he created the Silver Surfer in black. Well, yeah, Jack Kirby created. I think on Stan might have. Been, oh, he he might have come he up. He created with Jack Kirby. <laughs> <long. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> certainly take
0: credit for creating Jack Kirby, but will he take credit for creating Steve Ditko? <laughs> I
2: don't think anyone can. can <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all so much for coming and joining us today. There, I think you're going to be doing some signings. I think so. Yeah, I don't know what my schedule is. Look in the newspaper. Brandon's upstairs in the salon. Sam is under the stairs by the fountain.
1: One fifty. There we go.
0: Thank you so much. (laughs)